The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently, we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you I am a boat Good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTUV, WXYZ people. All the boat rockers are in the house. And anybody else I may have missed, too, the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio, where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown. I'm not coming to you live today, but I am coming to you from the U.S. occupied state of South Carolina. I'm the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warned you about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you would like to check us out online, please do so. Go to SonsOfLibertyRadio.com or SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. And if you're listening by way of Red State Talk Radio, you want to join in on the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the faces made for radio and a couple that are not. Uh, you can go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Scroll down on the right side of the page, and you'll see there's two videos there. We are the bottom one. It will, uh, since we're pre-recording today, it will be this bottom video on the right, and you should see me live right there. Click onto it. You can enlarge it if you want to put it up on your screen, if you want to uh, put it on your television or whatever you want to do. You can do that, and then you can also click onto that platform, and you can join us in the chat. We've got lots of people in the chat uh, every morning who join us and make some new friends there. Uh, get some fellow Liberty lovers uh, around you and uh, make friends with them. Also, just above that is Bradley's show from yesterday. You'll be able to click onto that, watch that show, and then at 3 p.m. Eastern, that will go live. You'll be able to watch Bradley and his show at 3 p.m. Eastern right here at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Okay? And if we're ever missing on any of the other platforms, go to sonsoflibertymedia.com. Don't say, hey, I can't figure you guys out where you're at. It's sonsoflibertymedia.com. Just go there and we're there, okay? And then right above that is a place where you can subscribe to our newsletter. We don't rent your email. We don't sell it. We don't spam you. You get one email a day from us. And that includes all the articles we have at sonsoflibertymedia.com, including the morning show archive. So this show will be archived in an article format. It will have the video portion. It'll have the podcast. It'll have any of the links that we talk about today, uh, anything that's documented or whatever that we have, that will be contained in that archive. And you get that in the email each day at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Also, we don't have we don't ask you for money, but we do let you know our needs. And if you have the ability to meet those needs and you want to, okay, and you want to, we don't want you going in debt over it. We don't want you taking out a second mortgage or any of that stuff. But if you have uh, the a giving heart, and you want to help and you're able to help and you agree with their message, 
There's a donate button at sonsoflibertymedia.com. It costs money to do all the different things we do on internet, on radio, out among the people. And if you can help in that, we would very much appreciate that. Just click on the donate button. You make a one-time donation. Or you can become a partner with us as a son or daughter of liberty. That link is also at sonsoflibertymedia.com. Click onto that and you can set up a monthly uh, giving from your credit card or bank account. And you can help us do what we do. Also, the store button is also right there at sonslibertymedia.com. Click onto that. We got products that are great conversation starters, T-shirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, those kinds of things. And then we also have um, products in there that help equip you to take talk radio and make it do radio. And that's what we want to see from the people. We don't give out information. We don't have guests on, you know, to to tickle your fancy, so to speak, uh, or to to make you feel like you just got some information for the day. We want you to ha- to be armed with information so that you can go out and do what you need to do in your sphere of influence. You are the solution. Okay. Another radio show host says you're the resistance. Well, here at the Sons of Liberty, we say you are the solution, not just the resistance. You're the solution to the problems that we face here in America. Now, with that said, we have a very special guest today, and we've been trying to get her on for months. And, um, one of the things is, is that first off, let me just say hello to my co-host here. Normally on Rotten to the Core Wednesdays, our Common Core diva, Lynn Taylor. Good morning, Lynn. Well, good morning. Good Whoops, morning. I, I hope everyone thing. is ready for this because we have got the long-awaited Charlotte Izzerbeet. And I just wanted to say thank you, Charlotte, for all your pioneering work in blowing the whistle on education and what's gone wrong with it. Thank you for your tireless efforts to help save our children. And what an honor it is to have you today and to uh, be in good communication with you. Well, I'm just so glad you you happened to pop up. You know, a big raging storm out there, uh, worse than the Atlantic and Pacific put together, and because we didn't have anybody really that was. I mean, others might be upset with me when I say that, but any really uh, new face with sharp teeth and uh, a conscience, and I I consider you very very important to uh, Lynn uh, to getting a. Uh, the truth out. A lot, you, many, many things that you discussed uh, that I was listening to last week, uh, even I didn't know about. And I say even mm-hmm. I because I always figure that I am sort of up to date. But I find you are the most up to date of all our researchers at the moment. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you so much. That's so wonderful to, to hear those words of encouragement, because so many times, as you well, well can identify with, this is such a lonely journey and when we never i know and so it's wonderful to have people like you and tim and bradley and all the others who are out there just going yes we've got to have this truth well let me let me interrupt the girl party here for just a second (laughs) because because charlotte we've been trying to get you on for a while and uh, i know i talked with you several times and you're like oh i got this going on and that going on and i know you've had some health issues but yet we would talk for an hour and a half and i'm like well Let's just get on the radio and have this conversation. So we're finally oh, getting yeah. it. Well, we're f- I, I'm, pr- I'm pretty good at talking, especially <laughs> when I'm not being interviewed. Right? <laughs> well, yeah. here's the thing. I just want people to understand who you are. Now, you were Deputy Secretary of Education under Reagan. Is that right? I was the Senior Policy Advisor okay. in the Office of Reg- 
Office of Educational Research and Improvement, which is the number one office for education, really, education policy. And, and it also was connected with uh, OECD in Europe and UNESCO. So, so it's a very important office. It's the, the philosophy, everything that we're, we parents, et cetera, are screaming about and teachers don't like either, uh, was basically out of my office. Uh, including the, uh, one would really be surprised to hear this, but the really evil office of the National Diffusion Network. I don't know how active they are now, but uh, they were the office that poured these wretched uh, anti-God, anti-family programs into the public schools from 1965, certainly until around 85. Uh, I'm, I think they, they have a new name, but I remember Maine, of course, Maine uh, got a gold medal, so to speak, for having accepted the highest number of those programs. Uh, they were called like the new model me and a positive attitude toward learning. Well, who, what student has a positive attitude toward learning? I immediately flagged that one when I was on the local school board. So that office was part of it. And then NIE is the great research arm. And that was part of it. And then it was school choice, uh, charter school choice was part of it. Uh, a very important office. The, I would say the office that handled all, all of the, uh, programs, the, the bad programs that the parents, Anita Hogue always used to say, she always said William Spady was an educator the parents like to hate the most. Well, I would say that that office should be the office that I, the one I worked in, that the parents should, would like to hate the most. So that mm -hmm. was my office, and I had access to everything. Mm -hmm. well, let, let's uh, throw let's throw one thing in, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of turn it over to Lynn to ask some questions that she's got. One of the things that Lynn and I constantly harp on is the federal government has zero authority to be in education. That falls right. under the Ninth and Tenth Amendments. That mm -hmm. resides to the states and to the people. And from the biblical worldview, it resides with the parents. That is their absolutely. jurisdiction. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we know that's a usurpation. We know Jimmy Carter brought in this Department of Education that Reagan said, this is unconstitutional, but then he didn't <laughs> dissolve it when he came in. And yeah. so you're in there. And the reason why we have you on the show is because you uncovered Something, you know, everybody looks at Reagan as this great conservative. I, was, I just had an interview with Dell Bigtree with the high wire. Um, yeah. <clears throat> and Dell was talking about the vaccine, you know, immunity. Guess yeah. what? He said they blackmailed Reagan to push that through. And so everybody has Reagan as this great conservative. But boy, he was selling us out left and right. How did that happen under his administration to the Soviets that you discovered? Well, I don't think that he's any different from, uh, I, I, I know people are probably shocked when I say that we haven't had a president who was anything other than a hardline socialist since Calvin Coolidge. I call half of them, oh, I yep. call them communists, the presidents we've had. Half mm -hmm. of them are probably hard, hardline socialists. Mm -hmm. And that's what we, ha I, I, I stand by that. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, what what was yeah. it under under Reagan that you came across? Because this came out in your book, Deliberate Dumbing Down of America. Oh, yeah. And you uncovered some documents. And by the way, folks, um, you know, Amazon's got 
Charlotte's book up. I think it's like 250 or $300, but she's got it for free in a PDF that you can pick up, which we're going to have a link on the, in the archives to the show. What was it that you uncovered there that, um, you know, I guess well, there to... was one. It was a grant, and it was I. I was lucky. I was a, a teacher. Was brought on board as a uh, special assistant too, and uh, you know she was had her desk next to mine. But she really mostly enjoyed having a good time in Washington, and she was bored with the documents. And I saw this big document on her desk, and I said, "Hey, you know, I won't mention her name, but I said." Um, what's that? And she said, oh, I meant to look at that. You know? And I said, well, may I see it? And she said, oh, yeah, do you want it? Why don't you you take a look at it? I said, yeah, I would like that. Mm-hmm. So she willingly gave it to me, and I started looking through it. It was called Project uh, Best, Better Education Skills Through t- Technology. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I got into it. I spent quite a lot of time, and I saw I did not like it. It was a complete federal takeover with a computerized com- curriculum, really. But they were making it sound like it was just to be, be basic skills and, you know, we have anything to worry about. But then I, luckily, there was one page that really got me moving because I'd worked in the State Department before, and I was accustomed to, uh, you know, uh, highly classified documents, and I saw confidential. Well, we never considered confidential too classified. You know, it's 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 not as high as top secret, but it's it's classified. And I thought, ooh, it was only one page in that 400-page document marked confidential. And it said, but it made it easy for me because I didn't have to read the whole thing, right? <laughs> and it said, uh, in great big bold print, what we can control and manipulate, I'm not kidding you, <laughs> at the local level. Well, having been a local school board member, who was, I was always fighting this stuff back in my hometown as a board member, I thought, oh, <laughs> I always suspected this. And that's why I was so glad I got into the department. But they have just absolutely said it. They've been blatant about what they're doing. And then they listed all the things they could control. The assignment of the people to the committees. So always, you know, those wonderful parents and, teach, and uh, citizens of the community who don't have anything better to do with their time than, you know, get involved in something they don't understand. And, uh, and it had uh, a lot of maybe educators, too. Uh, it had the, you know, the, the people who should be in, involved. And, and then it, it said uh, the curriculum, uh, designation of the curriculum, uh, you know, all these different things on uh, a list of the things that they could control and manipulate, and the teachers, of course. And, and I just went, I, there it was, right in my face. I didn't have to even look at the rest of it. In fact, I don't know that I did look at much of the rest of it. All I knew was that it was technology, and I had enough technology uh, grants to look at anyway, the real deep ones. But that was all I needed. And I thought, uh uh-oh. I didn't even think twice about leaking it. I said, this has got to be be made available to the public. And I gave it to uh, Joe Baldacino, a really good writer and one of us, 
at human events, which used to be traditional conservative, no longer. Once Reagan got in, the, the complete shift, whatever you want to call it, from true conservative to neoconservatives started. That was when it started. And I saw that in other ways, too, with the school choice agenda, uh, a lot of other things, too. But technology, school choice, uh, Project Best that I'm talking about. And so uh, it was, I had, you know, because I had, I had gobs of stuff in my apartment that I brought out prior to finding this document. And uh, so I had enough stuff that I could just leave. I, I didn't have anything left in, the, in my office, so they didn't, you know, I guess they thought that by firing me, I'd be leaving a lot behind, but I wasn't leaving anything. And uh, I leaked it, and then it didn't take long. It was quite funny what happened. I was sitting outside. It was sort of an interesting office. My boss had his office that was enclosed by glass. And he could watch all of us outside, the other people working in the office, and uh, had a good eye on me. And the guy was heading the uh, technology initiative, Arthur Melbourne. I, I had been getting, I had always gotten along very well with him. He he didn't know what I was all about. He really thought I was one of them. I fooled him. I don't know how because he and I we'd go out for lunch and lot of things. I you know he I always paid for my own lunch, but he he liked me. And uh, so he's in there with my boss, the assistant secretary, and my assistant secretary, I can see this through the glass. Uh, he's reading human events, and I thought, oh, oh, <laughs> oh, here we go. And he's going, he's pointing his finger, he's talking to Arthur, and he's pointing his finger straight at me. She did this. <laughs> and what's funny there is that Melmud. He, he still trusted me, I think. He was he was saying, no, 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 not Charlotte. And I thought, oh, yeah, I got to get out of here, and, which I did. I, I just packed up. I had everything anyway, and I went home. And then this, uh, my boss, the assistant secretary's uh, secretary, the gal there, she was one of us, you know, like, you know, Lynn and myself and all of us. Uh, she called me, and she said, hey, Charlotte. You know, you can't come back in here. And I just said, well, that's okay. I got it all. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> yeah. But now now all of this centered around the fact that Reagan had made some kind of an agreement with the Soviets, basically selling our children out, wasn't it? Well, he didn't do that until not, this okay. is very useful okay. because the agreements that he signed dealt with technology too. That was in 1985. What I'm talking about when I got fired was 1982. So I get out, I go home, and then, but I'm still very active, you know, with, with my buddies in Washington. Uh, when the agreements came along and we all, we paid, we raised $5,000 to put an ad full page out in the Washington Post, sorry, Times, Washington Times, uh, you know, exposing uh, what Reagan had done. Uh, he signed the uh, Education and Cultural Agreement with Gorbachev in 1985. And mm -hmm. that was, that broke the back of our American education system. Yep. Yep. Okay. All right, Lynn? Yeah, it did because it first the plan from the UN first surfaced in the state of Minnesota in the same year, 1985. And I was able to unearth that document and send it to a lot of the folks in Minnesota who were fighting in the state level. So yeah, that timeline is spot on. And Charlotte, it's really 
interesting to hear uh, that light bulb moment that you had about once you found the document, you just couldn't be quiet because I know people have asked me before, well, how'd you get started in education research? I had a similar light bulb moment and it was pretty much to the fact of, well, now that I know this, there's no way I can keep my big mouth shut. So I've got to, I got to tell everybody. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's such a shock. Uh Mike, the one real primary document that I, I found, I, I, I haven't talked about it ever, I don't think, but, but mm-hmm. it really was primary. I was working over, not working, I was, I was a spy, really, over at the National Institute of Education, where all the research is part of my office, but it's a separate office up on Connecticut Avenue. And mm-hmm. I was in there around 2 a.m. one morning, because I'd always, you know, stay late. <laughs> and I, I wanted to get a typewriter ribbon, and I, I went in the supply room, and in the corner was this big box, and it said on it, the good lad study. Well, uh, people listening to you wouldn't have any idea who John Goodlad is, but I did. Mm-hmm. And I, he was the number one, and still is, change agent, he's dead, change agent starting out in the 60s i've got quotes from him that would you know are chilling right. and i i i just hated him so much when i was on the local board and at home my, whenever i had a nightmare my husband would say uh oh he's dreaming about john goodlad again because he was so key you know who i'm talking about lynn but nobody else does i'm sure <laughs> but uh he i found it said the goodlad study and this box had all these grants, the money that was coming in from about six tax-exempt foundations, some of, the, of which, you know, your, your listeners have heard about them. And uh, that was the complete restructuring of American education in that box. And uh, I just, I, I, I couldn't believe that was God Almighty, really. How it was, did yeah. I ever end up finding that box? It was like... I can't tell you. I'll never, I'll never, because I knew who he was. I'd followed him. He's an absolute communist. He was out of Canada originally. And he went to the state of Washington. And uh, he, we have a quote of his. I don't have it around me right now. But it's absolutely horrible. It's, it's, it just tells you exactly what the goal of education is. And that we need a new uh, population who understand uh, that World government is essential. The values have got to change from those of the parents. I mean, come on. And so anyway, uh, when I found that, I called my Australian friend. I called her at 2 a.m. because she's such a researcher. She's dead now. But I called her. I said, you would never know, Beth, what I have here and who's involved in it. So that was really, I think that's the biggie. And there are four books that people can get. Uh, that were a result of that grant. And I will give them to you because they're cheap as dirt. All you really have to pay is postage. Nobody wants these books. So they're very cheap. One is called, it's good lads, a place called school. That's good lad. Then schooling for a global age is another very important one. Uh, Communities and their schools. That's all the community had is total Chinese communism. And the other one is arts and the schools, how they can use, you know, Beethoven's symphony, you know, turn the lights down with the kids in the, in the uh, auditorium and play this musical, wonderful music and talk about getting rid of war. Hmm? Okay, 
Uh-huh. So those are the four books that that every single commissioner of education in the country received. So, of course, I called, uh, you know, what was it, uh, McGraw-Hill. The minute I saw the grants going out, I I called him and I said, I want I want these books uh, as soon as you get them. And she said, that, that's fine. She said, you're the first one to call. Uh, your name is even before the, the chief state school officers. And uh, I'll let you know, you know, when, when the grant is, because it hadn't been completed at all. What, what mm-hmm. I had was just the beginning of it. And uh, so I did. I got the four books, and anybody can get them. They, I don't think they cost it. Maybe they cost three dollars each maximum, plus postage. If you want to know what they're up to, that's it. Yeah. Well, we can fast forward today, and we can tell exactly what it's all about, and that is to align with the United Nations uh, Sustainable Development Goals because they've taken art, and if they're not funding it through the school, they're telling the kids what to draw, what to think, instead of, okay, go create something. And I've done a interview with a student at an international baccalaureate school, which is oh, nothing yeah. but United Nations uh, curriculum, and they are totally controlled in what they create and you know it was really interesting because two or three days before that I'd heard an interview of two former Russians and they were describing some of the same situations that they were not able to create what they wanted when it came to art or music or dance it was what the state wanted and you know just look at the yeah look at the Olympics all the countries that come from uh, places where that sort of thing is manipulated through education. So, but I do have a question for you. You did say at one point that you worked at the State Department. Now, did you notice yeah. when you were at the State Department, did you notice any kind of interest that that department had in the Department of Education? And the reason I'm asking is because since uh, you left and since everything has gone the way that it has gone, there are at least 13 different federal agencies that now have contingency plans for the Department of Education, and the state is one of them. Well, yes. Uh, state Department was, that was very important mm-hmm. uh, with the agreement that Reagan signed with Gorbachev. You know, that was under the auspices of, that was George Schultz, the poor, you know, our Secretary of State, uh, who signed that agree, signed it with the uh, Soviet counterpart. Uh, so, uh, State Department has always been very, very important uh, in regard to American education. And the goal, uh, if you go through the, all the history, uh, the uh, global education, a lot of it, you, know, you had people from the State Department on, on the panels, et cetera. So, uh, but I, I must say, when did I leave the State Department? I left it, I went in in 1956, and uh, I, I left in 1960. No, sixty-three, huh? and I—I I don't recall uh, the work I was involved in in Soviet affairs. And I was working in Soviet affairs, right? And uh, Eastern European Soviet affairs and African. And but uh, I saw a lot, but I don't recall any of what I was involved in, which dealt with American education. I'm sure there was a place. It probably was through USIA. United oh, States yeah. Information Agency, terror mm-hmm. really bad. They were all involved in Reagan's agreement with right. Gorbachev, too. And, right. uh, but I'm not giving – everybody knows that uh, the the chief vehicle 
to make our country communist, uh, I mean, not everybody, but anybody who's working there uh, in the department, other department, knows uh, our agreements with the Soviet Union, which started in 1956 in education, uh, are key. Yeah. Uh, because uh, we are implementing the Soviet system. Right. Now, it became more and more obvious when we went for school to work, right? That, oh, yeah. But what had to happen there was uh, uh, the uh, apprenticeships. And uh, that what had to happen was the uh, White House C- Conference on Private Sector Initiatives. Mm-hmm. I'll never know why my boss always made me liaison with all these offices where I could be part of it, you know. Um, and so here I'm the liaison with the White House Private Sector Initiative, which sounds so nice, doesn't it? It's the no, it really doesn't. I mean, and the only reason I say that is because I know exactly what it's setting up. And to me, it is awful. And when I hear all these parents going, oh, yes, we want Johnny and Susie to be skilled and we want them to be immersed in all the technology that they can. I'm like, you have no idea what you're asking uh, for your children. Yes, well, it's it's the Soviet system mm-hmm. uh, of, of school to work. And people will say, oh, well, they don't have a private sector. What do you mean? Well, I just say, yeah. what difference does it make? They have a corporate, they have corporations, mm-hmm. and the corporations are in bed with the government. So it's the same yeah. thing. And well, the- uh, then through school choice, the whole thing is like, you know, you just sew it up together and you've got the, you've got the Soviet system. You have no choice for your, your children, have no choice for future employment because they use the quota system. Mm-hmm. And I have a great, great quote in my book by, you've probably seen it, Eugene Boyce, uh, Georgia, and he's high up educator. And he's the one who said, um, he's talking about, how, he, basically the last sentence I think says, in communist countries, they do, they do not, edu- they only educate for jobs that exist. They don't educate yeah. for jobs that don't exist. It's, it's an incredible quote. It means that the children are selected. It's a quota system, and they're selected. You only have 10. You want 10 welders. Well, your son might have wanted to be a welder ever. You know, he's number 11. He cannot mm-hmm. be. Right. No choice. Right. Exactly. Uh, oh, well, we, yeah. And we know that, you know, the Every Student Succeeds Act on page 17 said that all education had to be aligned to the same post-secondary readiness standards as laid out in the Workforce Innovation and Opportunity Act. So there was no hiding that this was not about academics. This was supposed to be about that, you know, that workforce system. Now, I don't know if you know this, but the European Union has rebranded that type of program from the the Soviet quota system, and they've called it the youth guarantee. And I know that there are legislators here in America who very much want to take that same system and bring it here to America. And, you know, it's not going to surprise me if it pops up in the next few years because we are so close now. It's not even funny. Well, I couldn't hear you. What's the name of that program? My connection with you is not that good. But what is it you said that you have a it's a new program for school to work or something. What? It's not really that new. Tim, can you tell her what it is that so she can't hear me that well? Um, I lost what was going on because I'm trying to pay attention to you guys as, and click a bunch of buttons here. I haven't had to do this in a while to have two guests. Okay. Okay. Um, no, it's it's fairly recent. 
but it's called the European Union or the Youth Guarantee. It's called the European Union's Youth Guarantee. Youth Guarantee? Yes. yes Europe, European Union's Youth Guarantee. Mm-hmm. Oh, what a, you know, really, they, they never cease to amend. I mean, come on. They're getting soft and mushy. I mean, please. I mean, I spent so much time with the European, not European Union, but OECD. The documents that I got, you know, were given to me by the top guy in in the U.S. Department of Education in regard to technology. When I got myself fired, he sent me everything. Boxes. He, he liked my work. He'd seen my little book, Back to Basics, and he approved of it. His, his name is Larry Grayson. And uh, you should have seen what he sent me out of OECD. A UNESCO, all the major things because he was going back and forth to Paris all the time. Mm-hmm. That was his job. And uh, so when you this this is incredible, this new title that you just would you please repeat that? Okay, it's the European Union's Youth Guarantee and it targets the ages of sixteen to twenty-five. I will send you the article from my blog, Charlotte, because it really details exactly how it's supposed to work. And Tim and I even used, uh, I think it was a video from YouTube that we used to show your audience. Um, Where did it, did it come out? Did it come out of OECD? Probably. It's it's tied into the OECD because, you know, they've rebranded us as human capital. So, of course, it came out of there. But, yeah. Um uh, Tim, I'm trying to remember when we had that, but I know we did because it was called the, you know, we had, we played the entire video. Well, let me, let me interject something here because I sure. think that some people probably are out there who are going, okay, look guys, what's wrong with my child going to the public indoctrination center we call public schools and going out and being trained for something and getting a job. And, and I just want to well, kind of throw this out. Let me me answer that one quickly for you, because uh, it's really good. This came out of the mouth of a 12-year-old. I was doing an interview uh, out in, uh, where was it, in Colorado or Minnesota, okay? I'd been out. I was out there speaking. This was a long time ago in the 80s, 90s, I guess. And uh, this woman called me, or maybe she called me later, and she said, oh, you know, Thank you so much. He said, my son uh, was in the car and heard your talk at the convention center or something on the radio. And uh, he's, he, my son uh, wants to go back to public school because he's been homeschooled and he wants to go back to public school. And he heard what you were talking about with the school choice thing. And he said, Mom. Remember this, because this is out of the mouth of a 12-year-old. I want to choose my own future. I love that quote. Now, I've taken that quote. I often use it. Everybody loves it. Well, what happened? He, he went to the a big uh, convention that they have out there in Minneapolis Center where they're having a meeting on this. And he got up, or rather it was a legislative session, I think. He got up, and he had a big sign. I want to choose my own future. He was 12 years old. The last time I did an interview on this, I said, isn't it interesting that our two senators don't don't understand what this 12-year-old understands? 
Well, I yeah, that's exactly that's right. Incredible. That's exactly right. And this is something mm-hmm. that Lynn and I point out almost every week mm-hmm. is that, you know, God gave the commands to parents in Deuteronomy chapter six to have his commands in our heart. And then we're to pass those along to our kids. That is the heart of education right there. It is to teach them <clears throat> the commands of God, the basics of how they read, write and do arithmetic. And then we do that not so they can go be, you know, a cookie cutter worker bee, but so that they can go do whatever God has put within their heart to do for his glory. And that is completely absent from education that where government has usurped it, whether it be at the state level or whether it be at the federal level. And and that's where we want to drive people back to is to honor and and glorify the creator. And to answer, to to further answer. Lynn, look. You've got my book. You've got the PDF of it, right? Look under Eugene Boyce, B-O-Y-C-E. Okay. Um, that is supposed to be. He's top educator out of Georgia. I mentioned him before. Right, right. He's okay. I just wanted to add on to what you said about the 12-year-old and, and to answer what Tim said, because he said, you know, there are going to be people out there going, well, what's wrong with, you know, a skill-based education? Here's what's wrong with it. In the lens through which the government has used to to manipulate education the common core standards okay the the uh, science technology engineering and math from the un and all that they have taken away that child's freedom to choose and instead assigned it to what an assessment or a test says that this is going to be their career and tim you and i have talked about this with the um the work keys and there's a there was a video that we shared with your audience as well and charlotte i don't know if you've seen it but one of the creators for work keys was telling a about how this slots you. And so it may be a job that you absolutely hate, but if the assessment says this is what you're good at, that is what the rest of your education is geared solely to, is that particular profession. Well, it's terrible that they could choose. There's a quote in the back of my book from some businessman who happened to go through, uh, I think he did it to see what they were doing, you know, uh, in regard to school to work. And and he got, he was younger, I guess, and he, he got assigned to being a plumber or something. And he was a top businessman. I mean, he took the whatever test, you know, for them to be able to decide what he's going to be. Mm-hmm. And he's, it was, it's in the back of my book. Right. Uh, it's an entry from him. And it just tells you exactly that. But I think the Eugene Boyce quote, because Boyce is a top educator, he's dead now, and it was in a book that he wrote. And uh, he says right there, in communist countries, they do not educate for jobs that don't exist. Mm-hmm. That's, That's right. And, and one of the things that people are not understanding is that this USMCA agreement. And Tim, you can attest to this through our videos about how many jobs it promised. And then when you get into the implementation legislation that's now law, it's yeah. less than 200,000. Yeah. Well, I don't, I think that we've got a lot against us on this because they do everything deliberately. They get the economy so going down and no jobs and, and the kids have to. You know, the economy's bad, so the children have to work, and the parents uh, say, well, why on earth? What? Well, reading, writing, well, they can't read or write or do math anyway. I suppose, you know, they're going to say, well, for anyway, teach them how to, a job. And that is the mentality of the American people right now. And, uh, 
that's so sad because you know C.S. Lewis is the best on that one. You know uh, how important it is to to get the the uh, you know fine arts and you know reading and but no job. You don't you don't get a job later after you've got the you know K through twelve classical academics, history, science, art, music, math, languages. This is the liberal arts curriculum. Mm-hmm. And, te- you know, teachers know this. There are a lot of, we haven't mentioned that. There are, uh, maybe not anymore, but there sure were a lot of teachers when I was doing all my research in the 80s and 90s uh, who were absolutely opposed to this, especially the Skinner method. Teachers right. hate that. Right. Hate well, you've got, you've got so many of the older teachers who have been purposely pushed out or forced to retire and replaced They're with all these gone. Yeah. Teach for America disciples. And, you know, Teach for America is just evil. I mean, they're oh, in on this, so too. Terrible. I yeah. saw it when it was beginning, and it was very leftist, terribly, cons- you know, supported by the left. And uh, that just chopped out all the good classical teachers, traditional teachers. And they're bringing these kids on who don't know nothing, right? right. And... Uh, it's all for the workforce, and uh, the agreement with the Soviets of the, that Reagan signed was very, very uh, illuminating. Uh, shame on him. I mean, how can anybody make an excuse for that? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Let me, shame let me, on the rest of them for yeah, continuing it. Let me, let me toss one other thing in there, because this was kind of what I was going to get to, and that is... When you're saying they they have a certain amount of jobs and they're going to train them for that, and then oh well, sorry for you guys. And I know now they're talking about a the UBI, the Universal Basic Income, and that kind of thing. Oh, and, and to yeah. push that, but yeah. this kind of goes to this other issue that that's been getting a lot of voice, and that is <clears throat> forgiving student loans. Now, the first problem that I have with that is I don't see that we're to be giving student loans in Article One of our Constitution. That's the first thing, because we're not in, in we're not to be involved. Uh, the federal government's not to be involved in education. No. So they certainly aren't supposed to be taking our money and loaning it to students by the tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands in some cases, right. to go to school to get a job. And I see this, Charlotte, with things like IT, business, whatever. All these kids have. <clears throat> Going to school because they say, oh, it's paying big money. Silicon Valley, oh, blah, blah, blah. We're doing all this. They go in there and yeah. they they pour their heart and soul into it. They spend all the years doing it and they get out and they've got really a worthless piece of sheepskin because mm-hmm. there's no job to be had. So That's now right. they're tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars. They're working three jobs. They're going back and having to live with mom and dad because the government, one, usurped. Uh, you know, put the carrot out with them with the money to go to school and then turned around on them and, and said, oh, bait and switch. There's no job to be had here. But you guys just keep on coming on here and we'll keep taking you for the dough and the interest we're going to lay on that. And <clears throat> the, to me, this is the shell game that they play. And they're they're beating the generations that come up every time they they bite for the bait that's there with the free money for free education. And I used to term free in quotes. Right. Well, let me, let me throw out a little bit of something. Okay. Uh, Just today. And I know we're pre-taping, so this will be a little bit of a follow-up by the time people hear it. But in my article that's coming out that we'll talk about on Wednesday, 1.6 billion with a B dollars 
for historically black colleges and universities in dismissal. Now, are you ready for this? Dismissal of capital investments. So what that means is that every federal dollar that was going to these schools, both public and private, because it will tell you this is not only for the HBCUs that are public, but a lot more that are private. This is freeing up the money from the feds that was to go for building improvements and infrastructure updates Mm -hmm. and instead refocusing it so that it will go to the students in the name of COVID relief. So they've dismissed $1.6 billion worth of federal funds. You know that's going to come out of somebody's backside. Oh, yes. Oh, that's horrible. Oh, Mm -hmm. I I don't know. Well, you know, you were talking about there's nothing new about this. I bought a book. It was in 1995. I'm on the Internet now looking at it. It was published in 1995. It was called uh, The End of Work by Jeremy Rifkin. You can get it. Mm-hmm. Probably cheap because not a lot of people won't. won't go. Let's see how much it costs. Uh, I I was so well. It's not that cheap. Huh. It's now forty five dollars. Yeah. Ooh. Okay. It was. It's um. It's very important because I remember reading it. and I thought, what? The end of work. Well, he was looking forward to right now. Yeah. There there aren't going to be any jobs. Well, you know, here's another tidbit I can throw out to all, you is that, that all, the, the uh, Nas- National Governors Association, half owner of the Copyright for the Common Core State Standards, just signed a new agreement with the World Economic Forum. So, oh, don't yes. think education's not going to be in there again. Well, it's, it's uh, I, I wish that I could hear you better, but I really can't. I'm sorry. It's so muffled. But, uh, we know. I mean, I think that uh, you know, how is he just talking about this? Uh, let's see. Uh, talking about where are the jobs going to be? Well, look, the robots will do it. When I in my office, you know, the technology guy was talking about. He was always talking about robots. We used to laugh about it. And I said, are you kidding? He said, no, I'm not. Everything is going to be done by robots, and there will be no jobs. So the thing is, what are we doing? We're spending all this money to just create an individual that doesn't have any education whatsoever, no intellectual, no cultural, no, not even job training. I mean, what's called, his book is called The End of Work. Rifkin's book. You ought to get it. Well, I, there's there's something else to that. Now, I've told people, I said, there always presents opportunities. But again, if they're going to dumb down the kids where they can't you know, figure out what they're going to do and mom and dad is just going to let them do it, they're just going to dump them off at the indoctrination center. I said, everybody knows that whatever man makes, it breaks. So somebody's going to have to fix all them robots. That's going to be something that, that I know ha- has to open up. But Beyond that, I think we're getting to an issue to where it's not just necessarily looking for a job, but people lose the entrepreneurial spirit, if you will, of going Mm -hmm. out and creating their own work and and making their own products and producing their own food and all of these other things. And I think that's that's a part of, you know, what Mm -hmm. what education is for, too. And that's what I was talking about, doing all things for the glory of God. That's missing, too. 
And I, there's no doubt in my mind that this, that behind all this ideology is none other but the devil himself, because he hates God's creation, he hate God, hates God's commands, and he hates the people of God too. And so what does he want to do? He wants to go against what God has said. God said, those who don't work shall not what? Eat. And <clears throat> what better thing could uh, you know Satan come up with? Hey, we're going to take care of you. You got free cash, the UBI. Um, you don't have to worry about anything. You won't have to do any work. Just live it up. Do whatever you want to do. And uh, government, will, government will be your daddy. It's the direct opposite of what we have as our foundations. It's, it's the complete opposite of that. And it eventually will lead to destruction. Uh, well, I think it is right now. You know, I mean, I don't see any. What is the future for education? Of course, everything's being wrecked right now under the present uh, mess with COVID. And, uh, but it, if you look at COVID, uh, actually, they almost they really needed it. They needed it to get the kids into the home. You see that? Thank the, you, thank the, you, because that's where they can yeah. come in and take over. Mm-hmm. Well, the head of the Office of Learning and uh, Learning uh, Labor- Laboratories Learning Technology that I that I was working with, he told me when it, when I was going through and indoctrination, you know, initiation, whatever, and he's he said to me. He showed me a computer, NEA computer curriculum. This was in 1981. And I said, gee whiz, that's, that's incredible. That's really good. You don't have to go to school for that. His name is Malcolm Davis. And I swear this is true, what he said. He said, well, sure. Uh, they won't have to. All education will take place in the home. And if there's anything important, you have to remember that. Because this is the Soviet system. You know, the teachers came into the home. The parents were out in the factories. The education will take place in the home. So everything we're looking at, be careful for what you wish. You know, yeah. homeschoolers? Uh, yeah. We, we have an old grant that didn't get approved because it was too too advanced, right, at the time for George Bush Sr. When they sent New America School Development Corporation, we have that old grant. It's, it comes from a school in Iowa, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it's uh, exactly what I'm talking about. Uh, the children being educated in the home, and of course, what connected by the computer with the superintendent's office. Exactly. Now, here's something interesting, Charlotte. In the same Every Student Succeeds Act, not long after it says that all education has to be aligned to the same thing, it says that all teachers have to be credentialed. So, my immediate go-to question was, what happens? to how all those homeschool parents are going to be reined in to be credentialed or otherwise told they are unqualified and someone else will have to come in. And the Department of Education has now created a family ambassador program where precisely that sort of thing is able to happen. It hasn't happened um, in every state just yet, but they've got the framework um, ready for it. And that was through the Every Student Succeeds Act, which we're now, um, December will be six years into. But uh, I do want to ask one question, and Tim, if uh, Charlotte can't hear me, if you would repeat this for her, please, before we go. Since Charlotte is such a wise and wonderfully um, uh, seasoned woman, I wanted to ask her, because I get this question a lot as well. What's the single most important thing that you would tell someone who wants to help get this word out? You got three minutes. 
The single thing that, well, they have to be very careful about how COVID is being used to implement the very system you're talking about. Uh, you notice everything, everything's in the home. You can't leave the home. We're really, I wrote an article on it, you know, said we, we did it to ourselves, really, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're, we're, we're just going along with everything. We think it's okay to be locked up in our homes. And, and uh, you know, we have all our groceries delivered, everything. You can, there's nothing we can't have delivered to our house. So we've lost the whole uh, humane uh, society that we had before where I even, as I said in my article, I, I even miss seeing the people I don't like outside. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's, this is, this is a totalitarian system that's being mm-hmm. put in for the school, uh, agenda, uh, under the, uh, guise of, uh, COVID. And that's what COVID is all about. It's, it's the dictatorship being imposed on us through a phony uh, health crisis. And it's not that COVID doesn't exist, we know that, but it's it's nothing more than, uh, I mean, what's her, Lorene Day, you know, the great uh, surgeon and expert on vaccines. She's 84 years old. I love that interview. I I put it up on my website, and Jeff French did it with me about two weeks ago. We read from, uh, we listened to Lorene Day talking, and people should listen to that. Because she's brilliant. She's she's right on. And that's exactly what they're going to do. It's going to be, we're going to be interned in our homes. Oh, yummy, yummy. And Amazon can deliver all our food and everything and whoever else and what. Oh, you can even buy a car now on the Internet, right? You know, so uh, we like this. This is totally abnormal. You asked me what you what we should be telling the children now? Yes. Do you want to move into an absolutely abnormal uh, world that nobody could ever have dreamed about except these wretched people like Klaus Schwab. Uh, and uh, we've got to take this into consideration. Our children have got to fight this. This is against all humanity. You know, even you don't even have to have a religion to understand that this is a totalitarian system. Mm. And they're using the COVID to put it in. Ladies, we are, uh, we're about out of time here, 30 seconds here, and I just want to let people know, first and foremost, you if you want to support Lynn, go to CommonCoreDiva.com, CommonCoreDiva.com. You can check her out. You can donate to help support the work that she does uh, to yep. expose this stuff. You can also check out Charlotte's website at DeliberateDumbingDown.com, DeliberateDumbingDown.com. And also, her son has a site with a lot of documents on here called American deception.com americandeception.com we'll have all these links up the books linked up all that other stuff in the archives later this morning you guys be sure to check that out lynn thank you charlotte thank you for taking your time as well and uh 23 hours thank you very much and thank you lynn for what you're doing all right